does not only impact your weight. That is an old, antiquated thought process. Just put that to the side and go, okay, even though food does contribute to how I look, it more importantly contributes to how I feel and behave and perform when we're talking about sports. So food is so much more than just how we look. This is the Reform Sports Project, a podcast about restoring healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy. Hi, this is Nick Bonacore from the Reform Sports Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Anita Noel Richardson, certified nutrition specialist, former competitive swimmer, Olympic gold medalist, and former world record holder. At just 16 years old, Anita won gold, silver, and bronze at the 1992 Summer Olympics in Barcelona. Shortly thereafter, she was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome, which inspired her to pursue a career in nutrition, wellness, and human performance after leaving the pool. The founder of 5D Athlete Institute and former team nutrition and wellness coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Anita and I discuss her passion to help parents, coaches, and athletes make more informed decisions surrounding nutrition, developing a burning desire for excellence at a very young age, and why we should empower kids to connect with their intuition and explore what feels right for them when it comes to food. Anita Noel Richardson, I am very honored to have you on. It's been a couple years since the last time we chatted, but anytime I get the chance to chat with a gold medalist, a former world record holder, and just an absolute phenom athlete, and of course you have an amazing family and you're a sports nutrition guru, and I can't wait to hear more about it, but so pumped to have you back on again. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to have a great conversation. Yeah. And I mean, I really want to start off with this. I'd love for the audience to kind of get to know. I mean, you were, I want to say, I don't want to put words in the mouth out there, but you're almost like a child phenom, right? I mean, very, very yeah. successful in the swimming pool at a very young age. What was it like growing up? Like, was it, was it like a big burden? How did you, how did you get in the pool and how did you become so amazing at such a young age? That's a great question. It was not a burden at all. I was like a freight train that couldn't be stopped. <laughs> That's how my mom explains it. <laughs> so in other words, I just don't think there was anything that could have taken me off of my my path. I was just so into it. And I guess one could even use the word obsessed with it. Um, I just come from a working class family and they worked all day. And so what do you do with the kids? You know, they go to the pool all summer when they're at work. So that was what I did all summer. And I loved every second of it. You know, my sisters, they were a little bit older than me and they'd sleep in and miss swim practice. And I'm like waking them up. I wasn't supposed to walk to the pool without them. And I can't tell you how many times I left them behind because I said, I'm going. And it, it's just like, I just loved it. I loved it from the time I was a little kid. It was it was definitely my destiny, <laughs> if you believe in that kind of stuff. I just don't think anything could have stopped me from from swimming and swimming with everything I had in me. Was there this intrinsic motivation of competition? Because, I mean, kids love to swim. Kids like to frolic in the pool and, you know, wrestle with their friends in the pool. But, like, did you have, like, a burning desire to compete at a very young age? That was just, like, yeah. something that stood out? Yeah, for sure. I had a burning desire to win and to uh, just, I guess you could call it for excellence. I just was always wanting to be better and, and get better than I was the day before. And I don't mean against anyone else. I really didn't see it that way where it was like me against other people. It was just me against what could I do here? How can I be better today than I was yesterday? And that's what drove me. So, yes, it was very intrinsic. So do you like did your parents 
how did they harness that, right? Did they just like let you go? Did they say, all right, how do we, how do we tame this bull for lack of a better phrase? Like how, how did they, how did they manage your enthusiasm and your passion at such a young age? Well, they, I don't think they ever harnessed it or did anything with it other than take me to practice. <laughs> I couldn't drive yet. In fact, I made the Olympic team before I could even drive. So their job, like they fed me, they got me to practice, they paid for the team dues, and that's kind of where it ended. <laughs> um, my parents weren't big athletes or anything themselves. They didn't have a huge athletic family that I came from. We all kind of did sports here and there, but it wasn't like we didn't have some big legacy we were upholding or anything in, in terms of sports. And they were just really supportive. That's the best thing I can say about them was they just supported this big dream that I was on. And I always felt that they were just, okay, well, what's the next step? What do we got to do? Where's the next one meet? And by golly, you know, they were up at the crack of dawn. You know how swimmers are. We, we were, were training before and after school. So they were up and taking me and just my 100% support staff the whole way. It's interesting because, you know, your husband, um, strength and conditioning coach, very well known in the NFL for many years. Am I correct, right? I'm saying that, that? That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, here you are, you know, uh, an Olympic gold medalist and a prodigy at a young age and your husband is working in professional sports and at the top of his game. And then you have, you have kids, right? And you have kids that one in particular aspiring to go to the NFL maybe one day. And mm -hmm. how do you, you know, navigate as someone, now you said your parents didn't have that much of an athletic background. You have all the background. How do you <laughs> channel that from the parenthood side? It's a, it's a great question. And I had it, I had an Olympic caliber swimmer I was working with, a world-class swimmer from Canada. And when I was doing nutrition work with her, she said to me, she actually came to stay with us for a little bit when we lived in Colorado. And she said, gosh, your kids, it's like, I can't imagine what it's going to be like for them because she said, when I was younger and I did a flip turn, my parents were like on the side clapping their hands and cheering. But you guys, it's like, you've done all that. So it's like expected. <laughs> I, then, I never thought of that until she said that. And it really made me look at, gosh, we should probably be celebrating the, what we would consider the littler things more. And that is something that I looked at and my husband and I talked about is um, for our kids to come into a family where we've had a lot of great, wonderful things in our lives, accomplishments and achievements. It is something that we have to make sure we're acknowledging their steps along that because you, you can't skip steps. You can't, you know, go from starting how to swim to being an Olympian in a week. There's steps. And if those aren't acknowledged along the way, then perhaps you're missing something in the acknowledgement of your kid's hard work. So that's something that I learned from her that I never would have seen till she said it. And I thought that was a great way of looking at things was like, you know, you're like my parents were literally there cheering me when I did a flip turn the first time. And you're probably expecting a whole lot different and bigger. And she was right. It's something I had to, my husband and I both had to look at. You know, it's interesting because you're talking about perspective and, you know, you only know your own experience. And, and I feel like, you know, I'm on my, I have six kids, as the audience knows, I talk about it a lot and they drive me nuts and I love them <laughs> at the same time. But I mean, 
you know, we're all rookies when it comes to parenting. Each kid's different. Each circumstance is different. Each set of emotions are different. And and there's no one way to do it. And and one thing I'd really love to get into is I, I'm listening to you and I would imagine when you were, you know, competing at a young age and all of that, like, especially swimming, you burn so many calories, like your diet, there's so many, like I was eating like growing up, I was a baseball player. I played in college and all, but I, I would, I ate cereal until I was like 18 years old, three times a day. I was eating like honeycombs and apples. That's all I wanted to eat. I, I had the taste buds of a 10 year old when I was like 19 and that's not good for you. I mean, it's just, it's not fueling your body. And that's something that I haven't really talked too much about. And people are always inquiring about is what are the right ways? How do you, and I, I mean, let's face it with my younger kids, I feel like dinner time is always pulling teeth. There's always someone crying, someone not eating, someone doing this. And I know that's expected <laughs> with younger kids, but when it comes to athletes in particular, I guess wellness and just trying to help your kids, you know, develop a good lifestyle, good life habits. How do you rein that in with young kids, especially those that are competing in sports? Well, the first suggestion I give is that the younger you start, the better. This definitely, I always tell parents that their number one job outside of like all the parental stuff that you already know about and the basic stuff, you know, keeping them safe and all that, your number one job is to train their taste buds when we're talking about food. And so that means exposing them to a lot of different foods when they're younger. Don't, don't fall into that parent trap of like, oh gosh, they only eat like mac and cheese and uh, chicken fingers. Really expose them. I expose my kids very young to all kinds of foods and they have pretty, I would say really well-balanced palates. They're food tasters. You know, they'll at least try things. They'll at least be open to the idea of new foods and, and different, even different cultural foods when we go to places. So I think that's really important. Number one, especially when you're talking about little itty bitty kids, you know, then they get a little bit older. I mostly work with what I would call 12, you know, the, the, the preteens up to the tweeners and then above is mostly my expertise in terms of helping parents feed their, well, fuel. I like to call it fuel their athletes. And then you can start to dial things in as they get a little bit more in those teenage years. It becomes more important to uh, dial those nutrients in and then fine tune things as they get a little bit older. But when they're little, give them lots of different foods and, and help them experience food as fun and joyful and sit together. Gosh, sit together and eat. That's so critical. A lot of people, when they talk about sports nutrition, it gets so technical and so serious and you're forgetting the basics. It's important for us to be together as a family and sit together. And and what I call mindful eating, That that's critical above and beyond the nutrients, in my opinion. So everyone likes to talk about, you know, we see all the videos on social media of crazy workouts and everyone getting jacked and doing these and all these reps, quote unquote, I'm in the grind. I'm in the grind, right? Which is great. How vital is what you put into your body? And I'm going to ask you as the professional in the space is how vital is it to performance with what you are, as you said, fueling your body with? Yeah, it, it becomes the, the higher levels you get in athletics, the more critical it becomes. Although I think it's very important to establish those foundational eating patterns as early as possible because then you just won't have such an uphill battle because you've already laid the foundation for their taste buds to be open. And then as your athlete starts training harder and harder, you, you do need to have some awareness of nutrition to to really help them beyond their a game otherwise it's a wasted asset it's like 
you're just missing a key factor. And years ago, when I was training, we won't say <clears throat> how many years, but we had no idea about nutrition. It just, it was kind of a not really talked about topic. Or we were told things like, well, you need to lose weight or you need to gain weight, you know, for let's say football players. But yet no one's telling you how to do that. It was kind of like, oh, but go figure it out on your own how to get those results. That's what I always say. I can come in and help guide you. I'm, I'm a teacher, number one. I love to teach and help educate and bridge people over into really knowing the how to do those things. When coaches say, hey, you got to do this or you need to, you know, you need to get leaner. It's like, well, how do I do that? How does a kid, how does a kid know how to do that? And I think back in my day, it was like you were kind of expected to go figure it out. And unfortunately, when you're expected to go figure out stuff like that, especially I would say young females tend towards picking up really destructive patterns. And so as coaches, my word of advice to coaches would be don't tell your athletes to go do things that you can't guide them to a resource that will help them. It's not really fair and it, lead, it, it can guide them into a direction of destructive patterns. And it happens in, in male sports too. I'm not just even talking about female. You know, male sports, uh, wrestling. Oh gosh, you know this. Yeah, you've oh yeah, seen, I know firsthand. Yeah, you have a wrestler. You've seen this where, you know, they're, they're, they got to cut all this weight, but they're really not told how. So how do they do it? They do it in these terrible ways. So I've worked with all different kinds of sports and, and been able to see all of these behaviors along the way. And, and I'm really out to help kids not fall into those destructive patterns. That's what I'm all about. So you'll take on, like, let's say a client or whatever, a, a young athlete, and you come up with, is it like a, uh, there's not like a, a one size fits all plan. Like, is it customized? Like, I guess if you were going to help my son, uh, who's mm -hmm. a wrestler or whatever, how do you go about figuring out what's the best way for him to get the best out of his body uh, from a nutrition standpoint? One of the best things that I can do first and foremost is I have an assessment at the very beginning, which even my online programs that I've created for the masses, even if I'm not working with you one-on-one, -on -one, we get an assessment of your inflammation levels. So one of the key components to health and wellness over time is understanding this concept of inflammation. And when you understand as an athlete, you can understand how to gauge your inflammation and reduce it, then you really have you're really in a powerful place once you can understand that. And so that's what I do first with athletes is we have an assessment for inflammation. And then I love to see food logs. So then I like to see, well, what are you currently doing? You know, how far? Because every athlete that comes to me, they're at a different starting place. So it's like, what are you doing right now that we need to shift? What are you doing well that you need to continue? And what are we doing that you need to shift? So at the end of the day, you take that data, that information, and do you try to find out their goals, like their personal goals? Like, what are they trying to achieve, like, and curtail whatever structure it is based off what they're looking to, like, you try to find their why and their objectives and where they're trying to go? Yes, absolutely. So when I work with elite athletes, the very first thing we'll go over is what's going on that's brought you to me? Because usually people find me when they're in um potentially in a crisis situation, whether it's a health crisis where they need, maybe they're having food allergies, food sensitivities that need worked on or, or inflammation that is 
out of control and they need help with. Or maybe it's an athlete who needs to get leaner because they've struggled with their weight or the opposite, an athlete that needs to gain mass. So I've created online programs where I have all these different things. Like I have a gain mass video training. I have, um, when I was with the Jacksonville Jaguars in the NFL and my husband was the strength coach there, I did the nutrition work and I would separate the guys into three categories. We had get lean guys, we had gain mass guys, and then we would have get healthier. So that way I knew where their, where their general focus and their general, um, goals were going. So that, that helped me a lot when I was dealing with larger groups. But other than that, you know, when I'm one-on-one, we, first thing we do is get right to the crux of it and see where their individual goals are and, and what they need help with. So if I'm a sports parent and my kid's uh, middle school or high school, or even younger, let's say, you know, uh, 10, 11, 12, what are ways that like, if I'm concerned, because if my wife hears this, which she will, she's like, see, I told you like, stop taking them to McDonald's once a week. I'm like, <laughs> you know, and I get that. I mean, I understand that. But sometimes, especially when you're, your kids are playing on different teams and you're running around, and you got to keep up yeah. with schedules. Like, how bad is fast food? I mean, is it like the end all <laughs> be all? Like, you can't help it. Sometimes that's what you got to do. Yes. I teach something I call simple switches. So let's just say that one of the things that you want to work on is this, like going to fast food uh, less, let's just say, in your family. Uh, well, we would look at some simple switches that could help you. So, for example, Instead of going to McDonald's one night, a simple switch would be, hey, let's just go grab rotisserie chickens and some frozen rice and broccoli and throw all that together. And that's really easy. And I teach these simple switches to things because I do live in the this world also <laughs> where things do get hairy at times. You know, you're busy, you're running, especially you got six kids, you're running from one side of town to the other. So you do have to have some of those quick go-to meals. And then I talk about those in some of my trainings too. Those those go-to meals that you can have on hand that are the easiest things you can do at home if possible. And then I even get to talking about simple switches at restaurants. So let's say it's just unavoidable. We're going to McDonald's tonight. Well, you're going to be better off getting that grilled chicken sandwich than the fried one. So there's one simple switch you can make right out the gate. That is very interesting. That's something that anyone can kind of implement. When we return, Anita and I discuss the mental health benefits of eating a healthier diet and why kids need to go through an exploratory eating phase in order to learn what works best for their bodies. Heading into the break, I wanted to share an update with you from our friends at TeamSnap, who is having a busy summer with exciting announcement after exciting announcement. As you may recall, we had Peter Francillis, CEO of TeamSnap, on an earlier episode of this podcast. And one of the areas we covered was how he saw technology evolving within the youth sports industry. Last month, TeamSnap launched TeamSnap for Business, its next-generation platform and an all-in-one solution for sports organizations. Now, TeamSnap is thrilled to announce the upcoming launch of its brand-new registration system. One of the most configurable, cost-effective, and intelligent ways to register players and staff, TeamSnap registration was built on years of feedback from the TeamSnap community, which includes over 19,000 organizations and 25 million users. In celebration of this launch, TeamSnap is inviting you to a live webinar on Thursday, July 27th, 1 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Mountain Time. During the webinar, they will cover everything inside the brand new TeamSnap registration system, including some important new capabilities like multiple installment options, advanced logic, answer-dependent add-on fees, and an intuitive setup wizard. 
Using the new TeamSnap registration, you can effortlessly create forms, collect fees and documents, and manage your programs with ease, so you can keep your energy focused on the thing you love, amateur sports. Head to TeamSnap.com and sign up to save your spot for the webinar that will be held on July 27th. Where we left off, Anita and I were about to talk about how parents can teach their kids to make their own choices in order to better learn how food affects them individually. As you're talking, I'm thinking about, obviously, we all know the physical things, but like, what are some of the mental health benefits of simple switches or just those little, of eating a healthier diet? How does that help not only the physical, but also how does it help you from a mental health standpoint? That's another great question. I sit on an alliance for mental health that's really important to me. So one thing to understand that a lot of people do not understand is the direct correlation between gut health and mental health. So when we have an imbalance in the gut of bacteria, it predisposes us to mood disorders. And when our blood sugar fluctuates frequently, which it does in people who don't understand how to eat a balanced way and they're overeating carbohydrate, in particular processed carbohydrate and sugar, then when we have those fluctuations in blood sugar levels, we're also more inclined to mood disorders. So these are things that you want to understand that number one, food does not only impact your weight. That is an old, antiquated thought process. So get out of that. Just put that to the side and go, okay, even though food does contribute to how I look, it more importantly contributes to how I feel and behave and perform when we're talking about sports. So food is so much more than just how we look. I've experienced that firsthand. I suffer from thoroughly enjoying at the end of the night food coma. And and I know that that is like (laughs) the worst thing in the world. But like during the day when I'm out working, running around, I really don't eat that much. I eat like six apples. I eat a lot of fruits and just like every hour and a half, I'll eat something really quick. So I never really get full. But then I come home and I crush and I just want to go to sleep and, and that's whatever. It's probably not the best thing in the world for you. But like How important is fasting? Like that's something I'm becoming fascinated with. And should kids be fasting? Like what? what No. So what is that all about? Yes. So the intermittent, it's funny you ask that because I'm just finishing up a, um, one of my trainings is called Digest Your Best. And it's all about digestion issues, which I encounter a lot in my work and probably because I've lived that experience. So I energetically bring a lot of people to me who, who have digestive issues. But I was just writing up my slides on intermittent fasting. And intermittent fasting can be great for adults. It basically mimics starvation. <laughs> so if your body... Um, if you here and there kind of starve it out a little bit for a few hours, then meaning like maybe 16, 18 hours, then it will start to burn fat. It will get kind of accustomed to a, it's a rest time for the digestive tract. So the digestive tract isn't working. So it gets to relax and the body can kind of do other things that are important versus just like keep digesting and dealing with food all day. So that's, it's good for that. And some people just really find it's a great way to maintain weight as they get older, this intermittent fasting idea. It really is helpful for a lot of adults. I would not suggest this. It is not suggested for kids, especially active kids, uh, sports kids. It's it's definitely not the way to go for them. Interesting. I, um, I would definitely think that kids... <laughs> 
you know, as your body's growing, um, you need as much fuel as you can possibly get. But I think, it, you know, people hear so many different things out there now. And, and you know, it's like, why not try something? Right. But I mean, at the right. end of the day, there's a there's a right and a wrong way, I would imagine, to do these things. But as sports parents, how do you juggle? Like, how did you juggle balancing, you know, your kids wanting to be kids and eat like crap sometimes mm-hmm. versus, you know, you being the professional, knowing all you do? How do you juggle that and the emotions that go into it? You know, when your kids want dessert and all this, like, did you allow them to have all that? Or or like, how did you do that? Well, I had to go through a period with my kids where I'll just call it the exploratory phase, where I had to let them, even though I taught them a certain way of eating, I had to let them explore for themselves and create a link in their brain that said, Uh, this doesn't make me feel good. And so I would say for both, so I only have two kids, but I can give you their experiences of what I got to watch with them. My son did this around sixth and seventh grade where he, I would say, went off the rails, ate a lot of candy that he was getting. You know, I I never bought a lot of junk and brought it in home, but he would, of course, go to friends' houses and, and get that stuff. So he had to have that exploratory time period, and he started to get more frequently sick, he noticed. And so... He would get canker sores in his mouth and different different things would, would kind of arise that he started linking with how he was eating. And at a very young age, he started to make those connections himself. And so he decided really early on, I don't want to do that. I like when I feel good. And that's what I'm all about is like when you feel good, you will be healthier and perform better. And for them being sports kids, that was the link that they needed to create in their minds. And then my daughter was a little bit later in the game. She kind of resisted a little bit more as she was younger, but she got on board in the same way. She had to kind of feel it out for herself, eat some stuff at friends' houses and um, gorge herself on Uh, Halloween candy, you know, and kind of make these connections for herself. So it's really, um, it's really a lesson in awareness. (laughs) They start to see and learn for themselves, which makes them just more aware in general of how they're feeling and how food affects them individually. It's interesting because we talk a lot about giving kids the freedom to, to be able to experience, to be able to fail, to be able to struggle Mm -hmm. and then come into their own. It kind of sounds like the exact same thing, right? Let them explore a little bit, you know, within certain parameters, right? And, and they do kind of figure it out. I think at times we don't give kids enough credit for, you know, being able to kind of carve their own path. And do you find like the more successful or higher performers per se from your experience are ones that had the ability like that didn't have parents that were overbearing in any way, shape or form, not just from an athletic or diet standpoint, but just, Hey, they had a healthy balance versus, you know, someone that was really like driving the message where a kid would maybe more likely to rebel. Yes. I, I've seen it repeatedly where if they don't have the choice, if, if they're constantly told what to do, then they never learn how to choose. And so that is something that I've had to be aware of because of my level of expertise in this area. And same with my husband in his area, respectively, and just in sports in general, if they're always kind of told what to do and how to do it, they don't get to feel it out for themselves and learn their way of doing it. That's the other thing. It's like, you know, there's there's tenants that I'll teach, but they still have to 
feel it out for themselves. It's like, hey, mom, I mean, you could make all the cauliflower crust uh, pizza you want at home and say it's great for me. But if it's making my stomach feel sick, then that's not really great for me, is it? So they have to make these connections themselves. And that is the most empowering tool you can give as a teacher, as a parent, is to help them really, you give them the tents, you give them the guidelines and the structure, but like, I'll never, I'll never buy Oreos and keep them at the house. It's just not what I'm going to do. It's not like part of our, what we do, (laughs) but if they had to go eat a sleep of Oreos somewhere to figure it out or when they could drive, you know, that's another thing when you're dealing with young people, once they start driving, it's all out of your hands anyway. I feel like so you're that, telling my that story. That just brings a whole nother level in, you know? My wife and I have gone into our kids' rooms. It's happened several times. You, you open a drawer and there's like, you know, they went to the grocery store and bought all these different cookies. And you're like, what the freak? The one thing we <laughs> ask you not to do is to put food in your room. And then here we are. To, to your point, I mean, you're absolutely right. You know, left to their own devices. But if they don't have that opportunity to, to explore that, and that's part of our job as parents is to give them that freedom so that when they do go off, they at least it's not all new. Anita, where... Where can people connect? Where can they find your content? And how, how if they want to get up with you and like, hey, learn about what you do and, and see if you could be a resource for them? How do they find you? Let me tell you first. I want to. I just want to say what you just said. I want to reiterate it. It's, yes, you have to give them that freedom to explore with tenants, with um, expectations. You, ha- you have to give them some level of knowledge and a, like a knowledge base, and then they can go explore from that. But you always have to give them something to come back to. And I'm sure most people do this easily within their family, just their priorities or like their family, um, I don't know, mottos and family creeds and things like that, things they live by. It's the same with food. There are certain tenants that, you know, we always come back to our family in particular. And ours might seem extreme to other people just because of what we know and uh and our expertise level in all of this but they have to have the freedom to explore and create for themselves i i just want to you know hammer that in it's like it's so critical that they get some knowledge base because the things that i teach aren't taught in school even high level athletes i've worked with the elite athletes that don't know anything about what i'm teaching they've never in all their years they've gone through college scholarships and d1 programs it's like they didn't learn anything about food, nutrition, wellness, recovery protocols, all that stuff. And that's that's what I teach about connecting with your intuition and finding out what is right for you after I give you the tenets. That's how I teach people. And so that type of stuff is what I'm passionate about because I had to learn those things the hard way and I didn't have anyone teaching me those tenets and those foundations because it just wasn't a thing back then. But now that we know better, we can do better. So those types of things are what I teach. And you can find me. I'm all kind of all over lately, but I have a YouTube. Gosh, I have a free YouTube channel. It's called 5D Athlete. And then I have courses. You can find me at courses.anitanall.com. And then I have Facebook. You know, come on in, parents. This is a support community for parents, coaches, and athletes. And that's called the 5D Athlete for Athletes, Parents, and Coaches. I love it. And I encourage everyone. I mean, Anita's been through it all. She's been at the highest level. She's obviously working in the business now. Definitely use her as a source. Reach out. Um, she's got a lot to offer. And I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing your experience. It's been freaking awesome. Thank you so much. Yes, it's been an awesome conversation again. I appreciate you having me. That's Anita Noel Richardson. 
nutrition specialist, and Olympic champion. Thanks for listening to the Reform Sports Project podcast. I'm Nick Bonacore, and our goal is to restore a healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy. For updates, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or check out our website by searching for the Reform Sports Project.